one of the most remarkable things about this was the the speed with which China was able to reorient itself uh, to uh, the new situation. I don't think that um, you know it, exactly how much China knew about the ref, the you know the, the the sort of plans that the military had to transition toward a more managed form of democracy remains unclear. But um, you know there are fairly good indications that they were taken by surprise by the extent and the speed of the changes within Myanmar. Um, but they were very, you know, after I think a year or two of, of sort of being a bit wrong footed by the changes, they were surprisingly um, dexterous and um, in, in you know, opening up links with the National League for Democracy. So between the 2012 by-election that saw Aung San Suu Kyi elected to parliament for the first time and the 25, 2015 national election that saw her party catapulted to power and, and you know, she to the de facto leadership of the country, um, you know, China had, you know, accommodated itself to the new um, situation in the country. The Chinese government is nothing if not pragmatic. Um, and I think that that sort of baseline of pragmatism, a really ruthless, um, uh, you know, perception of, of the realities in Myanmar as well as has guided its um, policy toward the country um, and is continuing to guide it now. I mean, China's willingness to work with the coup government since February of 2021 um, has obviously been widely criticized. But again, this is just the same sort of pragmatism. You know, China has economic and strategic goals in Myanmar, and it is willing to work with the realities as they exist in the country in order to advance them. I don't think they have any particular ideological um, uh, preference for a military dictatorship. I do think that they, you know, whichever um, government or administration is able to bring about the stability necessary to advance Chinese um, infrastructure projects designed to, you know, um, uh, integrate um, the southwest of China with the Indian Ocean. Um, you know, whatever government is best able to guarantee that stability, they, they would have a preference for. Now, the military can serve that function in, in a situation in which it is, you know, governing with a certain degree of rationality. But, you know, in, in the current situation, I don't think the Chinese are particularly happy with the the state of generalized conflict that exists in the country now. Um, uh, and I think that under the NLD, uh, I think they were, you know, had established a fairly workable relationship with the NLD government. Now, the, the fact there were more checks and balances meant that Chinese projects were subject to greater scrutiny than they would be under military government. Um, but that was a strength that the Chinese seemed, you know, willing to accept uh, if, if for the fact that uh, only for the fact that they had no other choice. Um, and, um, you know, I, I don't think that they see any particular ideological, you know, parallel between their own system um, and the system that exists in Myanmar, which is, you know, is, I mean, I think the Chinese Communist Party would see itself as economically very rational and meritocratic. This is how the CCP views itself and, and um, apologists of the CPP have sort of um, sought to depict it. I think they would look at Myanmar and see, you know, a government that is unable to maintain order in its own backyard. And I think that they would find that frustrating to work with. But again, they 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 realize that the alternative of withdrawing support from this government or refusing to work with it would do nothing to advance Chinese interests. And so they're, you know, they're working with the, the realities as they exist in the country and, and trying to make um, the best possible situation, um, but, you know, trying to work with the situation as it is.